in this session of Look at the Book, we are focusing on Romans 9, 6 to 8, whose main point is, it is not as though the Word of God has failed. And the reason that is crucial for Paul to say is because in 9, 1 to 5, he has said that many Israelites are accursed and cut off from Christ. And that looks like the Word of God to Israel, the covenants, the promises, therefore has failed. And Paul has to account for the fact that even though many in Israel have fallen, the Word of God has not fallen. And the reason that's so crucial is because in Romans 8, which comes just before this, there are some of those precious promises in the Bible for Christians. And if the Word of God has failed for Israel, the Word of God will fail in Romans 8 and fail for the church, and we have no ground to stand on. It is absolutely crucial that Paul give an account for why the Word of God to Israel has not fallen, even though many in Israel, who seem to be the people of God, have fallen away and are accursed and cut off from Christ, Christ according to verse 3. So, Father, as we unpack this argument that Paul gives for this glorious truth that your word stands, help us to see the argument, be gripped by it, and be strengthened so that we can stand firm on your word. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here comes the argument, one of the most important words. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. So there's a group descended from Israel, and there is a group that really belongs to Israel, and not all of this group is in this group. Since Israel is referred to in both, perhaps we should put the word true here. So not all those descended from Israel belong to true Israel. That's his basic argument. The Word of God has not failed because this Word of God applies to this Israel, not to this Israel. If these have fallen away, they never belonged to true Israel, and the Word of God never applied to them. That's his basic argument. The Word of God has not failed because not all those who are in Israel and are lost, according to verse 3, are in the true Israel for whom the Word of God stands. Now, can he make that case stick from the Old Testament? That's what these next verses are about. And... Not all are children of Abraham just because they are his offspring. So descending from Israel and being his offspring are one. And then children of Abraham belonging to the true Israel are one. Not all who are the children of Abraham belong to the true Israel are so just because they are his offspring, just as verse 6b said. But, and then to support that, he goes back to Genesis 21.12 and he quotes the Old Testament through Isaac, not Ishmael. We'll see that in a minute shall your offspring be named. That is so crucial that the, the fact that there's not just a descent here, 
there's a, a divine naming. Those who are named are the children of Abraham, belong to the true Israel. Let's go back and see the Old Testament context. So Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. So this is Hagar, and this is Ishmael. Son of the slave woman and the slave woman. And Sarah's the one who set this up, and now she's upset about it. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son, but God said to Abraham, Do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And that's what Paul saw in the Old Testament. In other words, even though Ishmael is the seed of Abraham and Isaac is the seed of Abraham, only one of them is named offspring. So Paul sees a narrowing down or a selectivity within the seed of Abraham through a divine act by which God names who the offspring are. Now, let's see the contribution that verse 8 makes. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. Children of flesh who are the children of God. But it is the children of promise who are counted which is like this named here, counted as offspring. So now we have, what, four designations of the people for whom this word of God counts. Those who belong to true Israel, not just those descended. Those who are children of Abraham, not just his offspring. Those who are the children of God, not children of flesh, and thus are children of promise because the promise works itself out by counting or naming who is the offspring. Let's see how Paul got that from the Old Testament. So here we are in Roman, I mean Genesis 17. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old, and Sarah who is ninety years old? In other words, they're both too old to have children, so this is not going to be a child of the flesh. This, if anything, is going to be a miracle child of promise, a child of God. And that's what Paul is seeing in the Old Testament. God has undertaken to make sure that the line that he is calling the seed or the true Israel is a line that comes into being by divine action and not with powers resident in human beings. So you go to Romans 4, where Paul talks about it like this. 
Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. That's what flesh can produce since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Saren's womb. So he's as good as dead. She's barren. No baby is coming from this union except a miracle baby, a, a son of God baby. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, which is what faith does, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And that's why the promise never fails, because the promise is given with the commitment that God will do what he promised to do. He doesn't just predict. He does what he promises. So here's the argument that we've seen so far. The word of God has not failed, has not fallen, because the Word of God only applies to those who belong to the true Israel, those who are children of Abraham, not just his offspring, those who are uh, children of God and children of promise, who are named to be offspring, who are counted to be offspring. So the whole point of this unit right here is that already in the Old Testament, with the selection of Isaac, not Ishmael. Paul sees a narrowing down of what the Word of God applied to, and therefore he knows that this Word is not going to fail. God always does his Word, and he does it for those whom he has directed the Word, those whom he's named as beneficiaries, those whom he has counted as the beneficiaries of the Word.